Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, plenty of entertainment. I hope you have all settled nicely into the new year and have embraced the opportunity to make some plans for 2023 and set the wheels in motion towards achieving any sporting or life goals you may have set yourself for the year ahead. Now, I don't make resolutions in January, but I do make plans and I set some goals for the year ahead. I don't always achieve everything I set out to do. Who does? And sometimes the goals are a bit too lofty or life and work gets in the way, so the goals need to change or be adjusted. But I do like to make a list of actions and aspirations for the year in the first week of January. The list gets added to or subtracted from as the year goes on, but ultimately I have a list, or maybe five, and for this year I have decided in general to focus more on all three disciplines of triathlon, putting the try back into tri-talking sport insofar as possible around the demands of my work and travel schedule. The past few years I've had a focus on biking, but I feel the sea is calling me too and I wouldn't mind getting my running back up to a reasonable level so I might actually do a triathlon this year. Would you believe it's 10 years this July since I did Challenge Roth? Yes, 10 years. There's been a lot of talking since then and although an Ironman is probably out of the question this year or even next year, a sprint or Olympic distance triathlon or two are definitely on my to-do list this year. So, believe it or not, but for the first time since I think around 2017 or maybe even 2018, I have signed up to the Galway Tri Club swim sessions. Yes, you heard that correctly, 2017 or 2018. I did the first session on Monday morning this week and despite my lack of swim fitness, I really enjoy the session and I'm actually looking forward to getting back into the pool again. Although, if I'm honest, I'm not really looking forward to the Monday morning 6.15am alarm clock, but I'll suck it up and I'll get on with it. Plus, to be honest, I'm really looking forward to the coffee and the chats after the swim, which are for me just as important as the actual swimming itself. Congratulations to all the winners of the prizes of our December Christmas cracker giveaway on the socials and a huge thank you to our partners for the giveaway. We had fantastic prizes from Amphibia, Marvel City Travel, Barbados Tourism, Nuisan, Pamex Ireland, Dublin City Triathlon, Top of the Moor Triathlon, Hardman Waterville Half Triathlon and Oliver Harkin of Primed Coaching. You can check out the full list of winners over on the Try Talking Sport website. If you took part in our 12 Days of Christmas Challenge, I'll be announcing the winners of the participation prizes this week. So keep an eye on the website or on your inbox for the winners roundup. Speaking of winners, it's great to see the Outsider Awards are back this year and I'm delighted to see so many of our podcast guests nominated for the awards taking place in Dublin on February 1st. See who has been nominated and vote for your favourites over on our website. The Hearst Sport Award nominees have also been announced and there are a few familiar names on that list as well. Check out the article about the awards on the Try Talking Sports site and if you haven't heard the stories and adventures of some of the nominated athletes who have joined us on the podcast, you can catch up on all our chats with them also on the website. Best of luck to all the nominees across both sets of awards. If you are looking for some motivation to get moving this week, be sure to check out some of the race reports that are live on our website. The most recent one features Welsh triathlete Russell Williams, who is no stranger to a challenge and who in August of last year set himself the challenge of completing Ironman 70.3 Swansea, Ironman 70.3 Cork and then Ironman Ireland last year, all within seven days. Check out his race report in the performance hub of the Try Talking Sport website. Before we get into this week's episode, a quick reminder and shameless plug that our bobble hats are back in stock. Available in five colours, blue, grey, pink, black or navy. You can order them on the website, cosy and warm, perfect for wearing training outdoors in the winter or for keeping you warm post-training as you catch up with your buddies over a hot cuppa. Finally, be sure to check out Nuisan on www.nuisan.com and use the code TTS15 to get 15% off a range of their products online. From body wash to moisturiser, foot spray to CBD muscle gel, they are a must-have for the busy endurance athlete's training bag. Now to this week's episode with twin sisters and para-triathletes Judith and Chloe McComb, who in 2022 represented Northern Ireland at the Commonwealth Games. Chloe became the first Irish triathlete to win a championship medal at the Games, taking home a silver. Meanwhile, sister Judith finished in fourth place in a hard-fought battle in Birmingham. 
Racing with their respective guides, Anne Paul and Catherine Sands, the girls had some great results in 2022. Some highlights for Chloe include second at A Coruña Para Cup in June, fourth place at the Turkey Para Cup in October, rounding out her season with a fifth place finish at the Abu Dhabi World Championship in November. Judith was first in the National Championship in May of last year. She finished third at A Coruña Para Cup in June and finished fourth at the Alejandra Para Cup in September. The sisters have a form of albinism, which affects their vision, but does not affect their commitment or dedication to their chosen sport. Taking up triathlon only a few years ago, they have gone from strength to strength. Having participated in sport from a young age in karate and then in para rowing whilst at university, the sisters have found their forever sport in para try and are giving it everything so that they can make it to the Paralympics in Paris in 2024. They are each other's sisters, best friends, inspirations, advocates and rivals, supporting, encouraging, inspiring and motivating each other to be the best athletes they can possibly be. All whilst providing much inspiration to the people around them as they embark on this exciting journey in sport. This is a great episode and one in which, at the end of it, you will definitely be inspired to simply give something that may be out of your comfort zone a try. Now, go grab a cuppa and enjoy the show. Chloe and Judith McComb, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. Delighted to have the tandem twins on the show. Our first guests of 2023. Firstly, how are we girls? And secondly, where are we at the moment? So we're good. And we are coming from a farm in the middle of nowhere, just outside Derry, in our kitchen, at the kitchen table. <laughs> and where's the rest of the family? I'm working currently. Yeah. Um, Mum and dad should be home at some stage, but we don't know when. So we're probably on dinner duty tonight. So, yeah. <laughs> And what is on the plan for dinner tonight, Judith? Um, homemade shepherd's pie or is it cottage pie? I don't know the difference. Depends on the type of meat you use. Yeah. Oh, well, then it's it's beef. So that's cottage pie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I cottage pie. <laughs> really don't know um girls you are the tandem twins as I've already mentioned lots of people will know who you are and then there'll be people who won't know who you are so will you just tell me a little bit about yourselves and I don't mind if you have the conversation between yourselves that you jump in and add bits and pieces because I know that twins often finish each other's sentences so I'm just going to give you the floor and ask you the question who are you right well we are Chloe and Judith the tandem twins. We are visually impaired triathletes, um, but we do sort of different sports as well. We sort of got into triathlon by, by accident. accident. We started off, well, whenever we were growing up, we sort of like we ran around outside like most kids do, but we weren't really into what would you call it, like organized sport. Yeah. Except um, for karate. Except for karate, I was gonna say. Um we did the Duke of Ed awards in school, in secondary school. So we started karate then for that uh, whenever we were 15-ish. Yeah. So that was the first time that we did sort of like organised sport, if you want to call it that. And then at uni, we did rugby and rowing. And then the rowing is how we sort of accidentally got into triathlon. So we were on the Irish para rowing team. Development Development team. Development team. Um, and then that sort of fell through. So we were sort of stuck. We had nothing to do. And then we went to a para sports expo at the Sport Ireland campus. And we just happened to bump into one of the guys from Triathlon Ireland. And he was like, can you swim? Can you ride a bike? Can you run? There's a training day in Belfast in a couple of weeks time. We'll see you there. And that was how we got into triathlon. Yeah. So how long ago was that? That was 2017. Yeah, yeah. So we sort of trained sort of 2017, 2018, and then sort of did our first races around Ireland in 2019. And then, yeah, now we're now we're here looking at Paris. <laughs> and you've come from the Commonwealth Games with medals. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. great results throughout the season of 2022. But before we get into talking about the Commonwealth Games and the plans for Paris... You mentioned that you're paratriathletes and that you're visually impaired. So, Chloe, do you want to tell me a little bit more about how this affects your daily life, maybe affects your sport, and what has caused the visual impairment? So, um, the 
official name for our visual impairment is ocular albinism type 1b ocular ocular congenital albinism type 1b with associated nystagmus which means nothing to 90 percent of people um but what it means is we have sort of one third normal vision so if you're at the opticians and they have the big board with all the letters on it um it usually starts off with an a or an h and then it goes into like two letters and then four letters I can just see the top letter and Judith can see the top letter and have a good guess at the next two and maybe the next line after that. Um, everything else is just blurry. blurry. It's not like there's just no vision after that. It's just blurry. I think the best way someone described it was like if you have a magnifying glass and you're looking directly through the middle, that stuff is in focus, but everything else around it is blurry. Or like a camera, if you're focusing yeah. a camera, like that stuff's in focus and everything else is just Blurry. yeah but um we've had it since birth so for us we ha- we don't know any different um there's there's sort of some para athletes like tectonica mccarthy for example you know he lost his sight whenever he was quite young so i mean we've never had to make that sort of adaptation um but for us it means we can't legally drive so a lot of our getting to and from training is either lifts from taxi of mum and dad or walking up to the end of the road to get a bus um yeah it just means that whenever we're racing um triathlon we have to do it with a guide so uh the guide is tethered to us in the swim we're on a tandem bike obviously we as visually impaired athletes are on the back we have had to specify that that is the only reason i'm saying people be like so you're on the front your guide's in the back it's like "Mm, no (laughs) and then we're tethered again for the run yeah. How, how would um, it even make sense to have a visually impaired athlete at the front? Right. We'd be in charge of the steer and the guide would be telling us where to go. But you're how you can't be a pothole. <laughs> that could add a whole new element of, of fun. Yeah. If, if we were on the front and the guide was like, turn left a bit, turn right, there's a sharp corner coming up. That would be fun. That's insane. Um, and can I ask, like, how do you mitigate against the visual impairment? Do you wear glasses or can you wear glasses or contacts? Or is it just that you, you just, this is your vision and, and there's no way of making it any better? We do have glasses, um, but they're not sort of like a magic. Yeah. They're not a cure like we can see normally, but. The easiest way to describe it is that they make everything HD. So you put them on and everything's that bit clearer, um, which is pretty cool because I never wear my glasses. And then sometimes I do and I'm like, whoa, things have edges. Everything is not blurry all the time. Like sharp corners on things. <laughs> <laughs> How did you manage growing up in school and education and that? Because you do have um, degrees from the University of Ulster. So you've obviously gone through the education system. So how did you manage that? Um, well, we have an older brother, but we have two older brothers. And one of them um, is also visually impaired. He's the same eyesight as us. And I guess he was kind of the test subject for our parents. <laughs> and it was very much um, like he never let it stop him. He never let it get in the way of doing whatever. So we were very much told from a young age, just like your brother did it. You can do it. Where you go. Yeah. Um, but like we're quite determined anyway. Yeah. And I mean, if someone says you can't do it, we're kind of like, watch us yeah I mean in primary school I remember there was so much support like we had a classroom assistant who was just like focused on us and sort of making sure that we can see things and the teachers were you know always making sure that things were enlarged for us or that we were sitting at the front close to the board so that we could see so that we didn't fall behind so there was never any issue of us yeah like falling behind in our work like we were always able to keep up and always able to I suppose adapt to whatever needed to be done that we could be able to yeah. to do what everyone else was doing. And at secondary school, we were wee rascals because we had a, <laughs> we had one classroom assistant between the two of us, and we would have just annoyed her like so much. We, we didn't want a classroom assistant. We didn't want to be different. We didn't want to be like the two blind kids in the class. <laughs> so we really like. I don't want to say rebelled because I feel like that's really strong but like we did sort of rebel against having this classroom assistant working for us and I mean fair play to her she did a good job she was great but we would have gone to the top of the staircase and Chloe would have gone to the left and I would have gone to the right and she would have been like I don't know who to follow I don't know where to go <laughs> so so that's probably normal twin behavior regardless yeah. of impairment like being bold <laughs> As a kid. Yeah. So, um, on the back of that, who was the troublemaker between the two of you? 
Oh, definitely Chloe. I feel like Judith instigates it and I carry it out. I'm like the wee <laughs> devil on her shoulder. I give her the ideas and she does it. <laughs> You're like the, um, what's the word? Oh, I can't think of the word. You're like the driver behind the scenes telling yeah. her. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. And, but do you get away with getting into trouble? Or did you get away with getting into trouble? I'd say we used to, yeah. Like, especially at school. Like, we were not, the way it not that we were ever, like, really mega bad. But, like, I feel like we were quite quiet and quite reserved. And we were very polite in school. And, like, we're still polite now. I'm not saying we're not. But, um, like, we, we didn't were, have the confidence that, like, yeah. If we were doing this in school, we'd have been sitting here, like, saying nothing. <laughs> giving two-word answers. But, yeah, we were very quiet, very shy in school. So, I think, like, if we ever did anything a bit. Like, nodding, nodding, <laughs> a bit cheeky or whatever. Like everyone would have been like, "Oh no, it wouldn't have been them." Like they're that quiet. Like I've never heard heard them speak two words. Like it, w- it couldn't have been them. So, <laughs> and who's the most outspoken between the two of you? I'd say, yeah, I'd say probably me. But like, not not always by choice. It's more just sort of just throws me through the door of like a room or something. It's just like, all oh, right, okay, so I speak first. Hi, I'm Chloe. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I learned that the hard way. One time we went to see a teacher. This is so off topic, but anyway, we went to see a teacher, and I was like, oh, Chloe, will you come in with me? And she was like, I'll be right behind you. And I walked through the door, and Chloe was nowhere behind me. <laughs> Get me back for all those years of putting those ideas in her head. Yeah. <laughs> take me to sport where did the passion for sport come from I think it was karate we started out in initially was it yeah yeah um well I suppose like whenever the idea of triathlon first came up um our oldest brother had done a triathlon like he just did it just to say oh I did a triathlon um and we were sort of like well if he can do it we can do it we'll go and do one too we'll we'll try this triathlon stuff and see what happens Karate was just something to to do and it was quite local, like it was just down the road from us. So it was really handy to get to because our secondary school was, there was no late bus home. So we couldn't stay behind for after school activities because mum and dad worked all, all day. And um, we didn't really have, there was no one else sort of from this area that went to that school. So we didn't really have a lift home. So we didn't have the chance to do that. So karate was really sort of a chance to get into a team sport. Um, yeah and one of it was actually one of our friends who has the same eyesight as us had suggested it we were sort of like we're looking for a sport to write down for our Duke of Edward um, and she was like oh you should do karate I do it and it's great and we were kind of like well if she can do it and she has the same eyesight as us then they know what they're doing so we can come along too yeah so that was part of it as well it was sort of knowing that like we would we wouldn't be the only ones there that sort of had to look at things closely or whatever too so in uni um like we just because we were living like on campus and there was like you don't you don't pay for tv and all that sort of fancy stuff when you're at uni you want something to do in the evening so um yeah we started doing rugby and and rowing as well again just because our brother did it yeah and we didn't tell anyone about our eyesight at those so we were flat out running around a rugby pitch and no one no one really knew that we we couldn't see (laughs) see where the ball was and were you good rugby players I mean, we weren't scared of being tackled. I don't know if that counts as good or not, but, yeah, you know, we never, we would have caught the ball with our faces the odd time yeah. rather than our hands. But, but I mean, that happens because the ball gets slippy and it slips through it and you're like, oh, whoops, it slipped. <laughs> That's funny. I know how hard it can be to play rugby. I played for a couple of seasons and I could catch the ball and I could run with the ball. But if anybody came near and tackled me or I went had to go tackle them, I was like, get me off the pitch. <laughs> Rugby is quite a vocal sport as well. Like you're constantly shouting, like I'm on your left, or you know, so you're able to follow the voices anyway. Even if you can't see where the ball is, you're hearing people shout, and you're like, it's over that way. I'm going that way. So did sport open up a whole new world for you, and um, that you might maybe not have taken up if you weren't visually impaired, or would you think you'd always have been sporty? I think we were. I think sort of we were always sporty, um, but like definitely getting into team sports, um, sort of like coming towards the end of school and then the first year of uni, we would have been in the gym quite a lot. Um, whereas sort of fighting team sports, I feel like we definitely wouldn't have this level of confidence. Yeah, 100%. If I did. Um, like when we started rugby, we were very, very quiet and sort of within two months, we were roaring across the rugby pitch. Um, and like it's just sort of, it was a real sort of curve as to sort of us coming out of ourselves a bit more and yeah do you still watch rugby yeah yeah Yeah. we still follow it as as much as we can and yeah love it still 
but no no intention to go play it because we need to save our bodies for para triathlon. Chloe, talk to me about your career to date in para tri and the successes that you've had. Yeah, um, well, sort of like started off with local races. I remember my first triathlon was the Belfast Titanic Triathlon and basically crying my way around the swim because um, <laughs> I'd, I'd never really done open water swimming. I did mostly been in a swimming pool and just to, to get out and like they I didn't know how to control that adrenaline while in the water. Like I could control it like out in a rugby pitch or in a boat whenever I'm rowing where you can actually breathe freely but not whenever you're actually like, okay, right, I can't breathe right now because my face is underwater. Um, so that was terrifying, but like it didn't sort of deter me. I was kind of like, I finished it and I was like, that was rubbish. I have to go again and get better. So it started off with a lot of local races and then 2019 was my first sort of international race, um, which again was pretty horrendous. Um <laughs> Um, I was sort of coming back from injury. I had done a half marathon with very little training about three weeks before the race. Um, so I had hurt my foot. I had plantar fasciitis. Um, so I couldn't really run. Um, I didn't have the open water swimming um, sort of experience. And I had only met my guide about two days before. Um, <laughs> and I'd never, I'd never cycled in cleats before either. It was like my first time. I think I'd been cycling clipped in for two days I think before the race so it was very steep learning curve and then of course 2020 happened so not a lot there <laughs> um and then back into more international races um in 2021 where I got to go to Abu Dhabi for the grand final um and finished eighth which was amazing and then this past year 2022 has been unreal with sort of like the Commonwealth Games and a few podiums as well it's been yeah insane to think back on that like that wee girl sort of like four years ago who cried her way around the swim <laughs> and Judith will you talk to me about your success to date also yeah so my race was the same first race as Chloe uh, Belfast Titanic I did literally cry my way around the swim um, you offered your wetsuit I, to the yeah, I was getting to that. I made friends with the guy in the kayak, the, the safety boat guy, um, and I just cried at him the whole way. I was like, if I drive, you can have my wetsuit and, and everything. <laughs> but I made it. I basically breaststroke the whole swim. It was it was awful. It was a terrible time. I think I finished that race and I was like, never again, never again. And then I sort of talk to myself to, like you get that high as soon as you finish as soon as you cross the finish line you're like oh yeah let's go again completely forgetting about crying at the start um but yeah I think from that moment I was like right well I'm gonna keep doing this until I can swim properly and get around to swim without crying and then from there it sort of built up but you know I started enjoying it more I started building my confidence and getting more used to it um I didn't race internationally until 2021 um, my first race was Portugal, where I was basically, I feel like everyone else was like, had raced internationally before. So it was like, all right, you're aiming to come top three. You're aiming to come top five. Judith, do your best. <laughs> so it was kind of like, all right, thanks, I will. <laughs> um, but it was, it was interesting. It was a really, really choppy swim. Um, my guide, um, Anne Paul, that was the first time I ever raced with Anne um and she was unreal like the support she gave me in the swim I was like ready to get out of the swim I was like it's too jobby I can't breathe I don't like it and she was just like Judith head down swim we'll get out of here it's okay so we got out of the swim and I was just like thank you Anne you helped me <laughs> in fairness in that race you put in I think the fastest bike time and the second fastest run time yeah. despite despite your swim yeah we were fifth and then we got disqualified because I touched my helmet before the bike was racked and then we missed our number coming up on the penalty board. So we missed the 10 second penalty. And if we had taken the penalty, which was 10 seconds, we still would have been fifth. But it was a really, really great experience. Um, and after that, I was just like, no, we need to we need to do that again. That one doesn't count. We need to go again. So I think the next race after that then was a Corinna. A Corinna where you were third, where I was third. Um, but that was, I didn't even get to stand on the podium for that one, which was <laughs> annoying. I was packing up my bike and I was also packing up 
Chloe's bike while she was dying. Sorry. <laughs> I brought you a medal. You brought me back a medal. So that was nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been really good. And then the Commonwealth Games was like obviously a highlight. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to this year to 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 get more races, get more experience and get more points. I need to catch up on Chloe. You've had more races than me. So I think like I'm always like I could totally beat beating Chloe right now if yeah. I had done the same number of In races fairness, yeah <laughs> that's that's my fear because I know that your swim isn't as st- well like my swim isn't strong but your swim wouldn't be as strong as mine and like you are catching me like you're a stronger runner for mm-hmm. sure so like I can't wait for the day where we can race a- together again we'll be on the run and I'll be looking behind me waiting for her <laughs> to just <laughs> run past like you out on the bike yeah well, I could have done, yeah. She could have done, yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't get a better bike, I'll be all right. <laughs> no, he doesn't sound too convinced. <laughs> oh, Judith, you need to be the dark horse. Don't be giving it all away now. The dark horse. Big shock to the system, to the family. Yeah. Um, it's clear from looking at you while we're talking, there's two big beaming smiles uh, on your faces when you talk about triathlon and the sport and even um I know Judith you've mentioned Anne Paul um Chloe you mentioned your guide which is Catherine Sands the girls have just been amazing and they're amazing athletes in their own right mm-hmm. as well and and that relationship that you have with your guide is so important for your success as well yeah I mean I've worked with Catherine now since sort of 2020 um sort of the middle of lockdown um, as lockdown was easing was the first time I properly met Catherine and we've been sort of working together since then and she's fantastic like she's an incredible athlete in her own right and I'm just so thankful that like she's by my side during a race um, like she's so encouraging and supportive and the odd time we would shout at each other and roar at each other she would be like come on Chloe we need to run faster and I'd be like I can't run faster <laughs> but like at the end of the day we're we're still like really good friends and like she's just phenomenal like I always say like I I'm raging at times that her tricep only says guide on it it doesn't say like Catherine Legend Sands on it um, <laughs> um I really feel that that guides do a lot more than just do the race with us like they have to be fitter than us because through the swim, through the bike, through the run, they have to be giving us constant feedback to sort of say, we're going left up here, we're going right up here. They have to be able to push as hard as us, but also still have breath to be able to make coherent sentences. <laughs> I know I spoke to Eve and Katie about their role and obviously their cycling particularly, but then we've I've also spoken to Dunnigan McCarthy about his journey in, in, in sport and, and his differing guides and things like that as well so trust is a huge part of that relationship Judith how did you build the trust with Anne as your guide and you know that you put your faith in her that when you're on the bike and sitting at the back that you know that when she tells you that that there's a left-hand turn coming up that you trust that she's telling you the right information because you'll be flying it but also when you're running Um, that if she tells you there's a step or there's a stone or there's a rock or there's a footpath that like you know that she's telling you the right information and that you have to put 100% trust into her well trust in our guides is like it's obviously so important that you trust them because you're on a bike with them and you can't do anything they're steering they're holding the brakes they have control of absolutely everything for me I've always gone into a race knowing that I really have no option but to trust this person but knowing like when that that first race with Anne I knew that she was a fantastic triathlete in her own right um we'd been out in the tandem a few times together we'd you know we we practiced everything with the tethers so I knew that I could trust her I knew that she knew what she was doing um which was absolutely brilliant I suppose the training beforehand is so important because that's when you build the relationship and the relationship with your guide is so important. You need to be able to you need to be able to know that they're giving you all the information that you need. You, like for us, we need to let them know this is what you need to tell us. This stuff doesn't matter. Don't waste your breath. But this is what we need to hear from you. So like just practicing behind the scenes, like training together and getting to know each other is so important. And then I suppose a race environment too you you learn a lot more so Anne sort of I think very quickly learned in that first race that uh, my confidence in open water swimming is not great 
but she was just so calm. She was just like, come on, Judith, we can do it. Get your head down. Let's go. Um, and yeah, just they're like just like encouraging each other and supporting each other outside of the race environment as well. Like sort of being able to look back and honestly review with each other, sort of Anne turning around to me after a race saying, you know, you really could have pushed harder on the bike or, you know, that swim wasn't great, but I felt you pulling at me or you were swimming way off to the left. You really need to keep an eye on me or, you know, just having that honest feedback as well. Is that a hard conversation to have? It can be, but I think ultimately we have enough trust in our guides that like anything they are saying, like they don't mean anything bad by it. Um, Like everything they say sort of is for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this stage, like, you know, you know yourself that you want to get better. So you want to hear that. Like I would say to Anne at the end of races and be like, I, I didn't feel strong on the bike there. And she would either say, no, I didn't feel you pushing hard enough. Or she would be like, no, I thought you were doing well. Um, so like, you know yourself as an athlete that there's always room for improvement and it's just finding out where those weaknesses are and how you can build on that. And do you get to spend much time now with the guides, training with them? Um, for me, um, Catherine lives like at the other end of the, or the other side of Northern Ireland. Um, she lives down in Newry, um, and she works full time as well. So it can be it can be difficult to sort of find time for that. But at the same time, I think we're both sort of confident that that we know each other well enough, um, and we keep we keep each other up to date on our training. So I would sort of update Catherine and be like, oh, I'm down another 30 seconds for a 750 meter time trial. So Catherine's sort of like, oh, I need to work on my swimming a bit more or, you know, different things like that. We would keep each other updated in that way. Um, and then coming up to a race, we would try and sort of meet up maybe once a month for a good solid sort of two days of training um, just to sort of get everything back in the brain. Because, I mean, for Catherine, getting on a tandem is completely different than just jumping on your normal bike. Um, so it's just sort of her getting that, getting used to that again. Um, and then as well, just sort of, I think both of us just sort of getting used to working with someone else, um, because a lot of our training that we would do would be by ourselves in the gym. Like even for us sort of putting on like a, a rum tether just feels a wee bit alien after a while. Um, or putting on a swim tether, it does feel strange. You do kind of fight against it at the start. It does sort of take a, a couple of sessions to sort of relax into it and be like, right, let Catherine take the lead. She knows what she's doing. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> um, so yeah, but we would try and meet up as, as much as possible. But as long as sort of the lines are of communication are open um between us, then then it's it's okay. Yeah. And that's probably the big thing really as well. So trust and communication between the athlete and the guide are probably the two most important things, aside from the basic level of fitness required to be able to keep up with you and be faster and stronger than you so that they can lead you. Would you agree with that, Judith? Yeah, definitely. Like there's there's so much that you can do individually, but then for that extra level, it's definitely having time with your guide so that everything is just so slick. Like, yes, you can swim, you can cycle, you can run by yourself, but those transitions need to be slick. You need to be working together for those, even as much as, you know, you get out of the water you get your wetsuit off, helmet's the first thing going on, like even practicing things like that so that, you know, you're not getting penalties and losing time like that or working out, I'm maybe slower at getting my wetsuit off than Anne, so Anne focuses on getting her wetsuit off and then she'll help me with mine. And, you know, like different wee bits like that that we can help each other with that'll just really tighten everything up because you, you don't want to be losing time in transition at all. And I guess you only learn those things by actually practicing them yeah. at races or or when you're together. Um, in terms of your own training, then girls, you mentioned that you train alone or that you train in the gym. What does a typical training week look like for you? Do you do similar training patterns, similar training programs? Um, yeah, fairly similar. I mean, we'd have we would swim together, but we'd have different sessions. Yeah. Um, so we would swim sort of five times a week. So first thing in the morning, generally, just because that's when the pool's quieter. Um, so we would get in and do a swim and then have like second breakfast and then go out and do a run or a bike. We always compare being a triathlete to being like a hobbit because you have like so many different meals throughout the day. <laughs> so yeah, you do a swim, have a snack, then maybe like a run or a bike and then, you know, a bit of a break and then 
maybe if you've done a bike in the morning, you're maybe doing a run in the afternoon or um, in the winter, you're doing a bit of strength training or stretching or, um, yeah, it's it, it's varied. But I suppose winter training is very sort of long, steady, building the engine kind of training. So like some of it we would we would have together um but a lot of it would be kind of like all right you're going out you're going for a run now bye i have a bike um and sort of i guess it's quite nice to sort of have that time alone um because we are twins we are sort of most of the time together um it is sometimes nice to sort of be like right this is just me on the bike i don't have to worry about you just being beside me sort of tapping me being like can I have some of your water I ran out um (laughs) or if we're well um if we're ever out in a run together we have to sort of be very mindful of each other just because we will try and race each other yeah like just like we're speed up on the treadmill or whatever this might sound like a really silly question and I'm sure I've seen pictures of this on your Tandon Twins Facebook page but you do go and run by yourselves without a guide yeah sort of the roads them around home we know like the back of our hands um sort of from lockdown and stuff sort of like walking around them um with the dog and different things like that we know them really well and sort of people around us know know us as well but we'd always go out and like high vis because we're kind of like we can't see you but you can definitely see us um (laughs) but yeah we, we know the roads sort of around home like if it was um like a new area where we wouldn't know the place we would probably walk it a couple of times first um just to sort of get the lay of the land or else go out running with other people who sort of know our eyesight who can sort of say right stay to the left for this bit and then cross over here and stay on the right and different things like that just so that we know where everything is we're not sort of like the way we sort of describe it if we're running we will be like two steps away from a pothole before we actually register that it's there um, so it can it can be interesting. Yeah. I just want to go back to the start where we talked a little bit about the visual impairment and you mentioned the word albinism. It is is your eyesight the only way that the albinism affects you or are there other ways in which it affects you? Yeah. So I think you said that we have type 1B of albinism. So type 1A would be when you see people with white hair pink eyes really pale skin the way that we would sort of explain our albinism is that we are albinos in disguise in that um what causes the white hair and pink eyes and pale skin is a lack of pigmentation which again means nothing to most people um but basically it's sort of our eyes would be very sensitive to light so if we went outside on a sunny day everything would be really like glary like the sun would be shining everywhere and it would be a lot harder to to see things and to focus on things um and our skin would be very prone to to sunburn it's it's always factor 50 uh wherever we go how do you manage that in the heat of abu dhabi or madeira or hot places (laughs) where you're going to race in the the heat of the sunshine layers of sun cream so i think you picked up this tip from was it Alison Peasgood um who is an albino um I was chatting to her after a race in Abu Dhabi and I had I had got burnt um because the sun cream had come off during the swim and sweating on the bike we would sort of do a layer of sun cream before we leave the hotel in the morning of race day and then put on another layer whenever we get down and get registered and then sort of like a final little layer before we get into the swim and then just above that it's just limiting time out in the sun it's just sort of like staying in the shade as much as possible sort of making sure we're covered sort of long sleeves as much as possible and yeah so I think though really we, we do a lot of running outside and we are determined that all year is shorts weather so I think really our legs are are very much weather beaten so they're not really an issue whenever it comes to sunburn they're yeah. The skin on them is pretty strong. <laughs> um, but I suppose like sort of your shoulders and stuff will be where you would be looking after the back of your neck. So there's like, we know ourselves like where we're most likely to get burned. So those are the areas that you're like, right, put on another layer there. Put put on some more sun cream on my back, <laughs> which is helpful because you're not like having to cover your whole self. You're sort of like quick layer over everywhere and then touching up the shoulders and the back of the ears and the nose. 
<laughs> and I know we we moved off slightly to talk about the sunburn and about the skin. So is there any other ways in which the albinism affects you physically um, or, or is it the visual impairment and the skin? That's really it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything else. And as I mentioned before, we even came on the show, my own um, knowledge of, of what it is would be very limited. And that's why I'm asking those questions. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully our listeners will appreciate that we've educated them slightly um, a bit more on, on what it is. Now, what I'd like to know is where does the sibling family friendliness move into sibling rivalry where you might not zip her wetsuit up fully in a like a training session because you want to be swimming <laughs> faster than her or you might hide her helmet on her so she's delayed for her training session or like little siblingy things that you might just do but where does that sibling love end and the sibling rivalry start or does it end and does it start or are you just together joined at the hip in for it like 100% to support each other and get the best out of each other as you move forward in your sporting career? Most of the time, I would say it's it's very supportive and, you know, we're always, you know, like pushing each other on. But there's really random moments that I would be like, that I would get competitive, especially in swimming. Like, I know that my swim isn't as strong as Chloe's, but there would be times we would maybe... Like I know that we both do different swim sets, but there's there's the odd time that there will be like a wee chunk of it that would just sink up, and it would be like oh, I have four times fifty meters now, and it's like oh I have two times fifty meters, and I would be swimming up going she's not getting ahead of me, she is not beating me here, she's not beating me, I don't care, um like just random wee moments like that, and it's just like there's no way I'm letting her get ahead of here, like, there's no way it's usually running, I'm like yeah. oh, she's catching me, it's like I need to run faster, <laughs> yeah I mean like take today for example um you had a 90 minute easy run and I had sort of like a, a tempo session and uh, I did my warm up with Judith because it was sort of nice and easy and then I went off to do my three mile hard or whatever it was and I went to turn around and who was behind me but Judith <laughs> it was an accident <laughs> I just yeah I saw I saw your fluorescent pink coat and I was just like I could probably catch her like it wouldn't be too hard it's downhill it wouldn't be too bad and then I got to the turnaround point. They looked at my heart rate and I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> I love it. And what about then, like when, say, Chloe, you're in a bad mood and Judith is ready and she's hyper and she's ready to go or vice versa? Like because you're twins, because you're training potentially together, you're both in the same sport. I'm sure a lot of the talk around the kitchen table when you're having the cottage pie for the dinner is about triathlon and about your training. But what happens if somebody is just like an antichrist and not happy? I feel like it's more likely me just to really crab at one. <laughs> um, like in fairness, like it doesn't really, it doesn't really affect our training. I feel like whenever either one of us is in a mood, it sort of makes us train that little bit harder because it's sort of like, oh well, Judith's absolutely buzzing to go out in this run, and I'm like completely not. But like, I have to just destroy her happiness in some way. So like, I'll run faster than her. <laughs> yeah. And aside from sport, then let's take sport out of it. You mentioned, Chloe, I think that you go off on your, you might go out on your, your run session and Judith might be doing a gym session. So you get to have that little bit of separation from each other when you're training. But when you do separate, when it's away from sport, like do you have separate hobbies or separate interests? Like does somebody prefer reading a book or going to the cinema or going for walks or doing other other things? Um, or do you generally spend as a lot of twins do anyway, a lot of time, free time away from sport and away from work together. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, it's a boring answer that we are very similar. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, that's not that's not boring. That's just a way of life, though. But that's yeah. no different to any other twins. Yeah, like it's it's no bad thing, really, especially sort of living out here where, you know, the your social life is sort of very much determined by the bus timetable. Um <laughs> Um, you know we do spend a lot of time together anyway so it does help to sort of have similar similar interests because yeah. then you have you know a bit of company whether it's reading a book and sort of be like wait till you get to chapter seven like just <laughs> wait um or you know getting across to each other because we watch the next episode of a ne of like a, a netflix series or something like yeah it's 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 good to sort I mean, of that's practically a crime let's be real <laughs> Okay, so then the next question I have for you is, have you any Netflix recommendations or what are you currently watching? Oh, well, recently we just finished Wednesday. 
And so Cobra Kai Cobra really Kai, good, yeah. but like we're into karate, so it kind of. I never knew what the word sensei meant, but now I do from Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> Moving away from Netflix recommendations, good and all as they are, you're both graduated from college at this stage. Um, are you working full time? And if you are working, what are you doing? Um, so we're working part time. It's it's quite funny because we graduated from uni both with geography. Um, exact same marks. Exact same marks. No um, way. Yeah. yeah. Like we had to, I had to phone up or whatever to see what we got. And I was like, oh, hey, um, I'm just ringing to hear my results. And they were like, yeah, so you got a 2-1. Um, like this was your mark. And I was like, just just while I got you here, um, what about Chloe? And they were like, oh, you're not going to believe this. She got the exact same marks. And I was like, really? Oh, Chloe, you failed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was funny. But no, um, we did a geography degree. Couldn't get a job with that. And then sort of, it was just after, you know, a couple of years after that, that we sort of fell into triathlon and sports. So we were like, well, if we can't get a job. We'll, we'll, we'll do like a personal training um, degree. So we did that. So we're now qualified personal trainers. Um, and then beyond that, sort of within our church and stuff, we would help a lot with the youth. And we were like, well, we could get qualified in that. <laughs> um, so currently we are we're part-time youth workers. Um for uh, an organisation just in Derry. Um, we go around different schools and, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really interesting and because it's part-time and they're very, very lenient, they're sort of like, oh, well, if you need to take a week off to go to Abu Dhabi to race, that's fine, but, you know, catch up and bring your laptop with you and we can give you work to do while you're out there. So it's, yeah, it's they're, great. They're very good and it fits so easily around training too. You can sort of train in the morning, go into work and then train in the evening. Like, it's... Yeah, very flexible. You mentioned the church there, Chloe. That's a big part of your life as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, sort of everything we do kind of revolves around church. Like that's sort of the big thing that we would say. Sort of everything that we do, we do it for the glory of God. Um, which you know, not everybody gets, but there are some people sort of out there at races that would sort of see us and be like, "Amen, sister." It's like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think everyone has that one. Focus, why yeah. that that why of you know why they're racing why they're putting that effort in and and for us it happens to be our faith um that really drives us on to push harder and to to keep going and um to get up at stupid o'clock every morning and and put the time in but I think everyone does have that drive inside them it's just different for each person yeah um I want to talk briefly again about the Commonwealth Games and what it felt like standing on the start line of the Commonwealth Games and talk us through maybe what the emotions were like what the race was like um, and then crossing the finish line and maybe Judith we'll come to you first on that if that's okay yeah so it was unreal like whenever Chloe first got the phone call to say oh congratulations you're going to the Commonwealth Games I was sort of sitting beside her and I was kind of like they're gonna mention my name did, did they mention me did they say anything about me and she was like no and I was sitting there I think it was about an hour and a half later that my phone rang so I sort of like spent that hour and a half going oh I mustn't be I mustn't be going that's okay right make my peace with that it's okay I will support Chloe yeah let's go and then my phone rang and they were like oh you're going and I was like oh class unreal <laughs> I think because I had sort of tried to like talk myself down and sort of settle myself into not going that it was like a real shock for me I was like oh no way this is unreal <laughs> was, um, it, was it hard to you just to keep the disappointment in check knowing that Chloe was probably and rightly so over the moon that she had gotten the place like there was probably a fine line there of excitement and disappointment excitement for your sister partner your best friend your twin sister but then ultimately devastation that you didn't get your spot you know was was that difficult to deal with it was I was just like like Chloe around the kitchen she told mum and I was kind of like okay <laughs> but I was like oh no like that's so class like you're gonna get to go to the Commonwealth Games you have to bring me with you you have to make sure that I'm there <laughs> but I don't know was I disappointed I don't know I feel like it was very I think we were both very subdued for yeah. that hour and a half I feel like I didn't I didn't want to sort of shout about it and be like oh yes so I was sort of very sort of yeah very muted in my response to it just because I knew that you know, she hadn't heard yes or no at that time. So I was kind of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be pure 
rubbing it in my um, face. I didn't want to be a pure <laughs> dose and rubbing it in her face until she knows for sure, yes or no. Um, so yeah, we didn't, we, I don't think we really, we didn't really speak about anything sort of triathlon related, especially for that like hour and a half. We didn't, I would say, I think we just were both sitting on our phones at like the opposite ends of the sofa, <laughs> just sending each other memes and stuff for like an hour and a half, just like not speaking. Um, and I think it was just, we were both sort of, I think sort of just waiting under bated breath just to, yeah. to see what would happen. That was going to be my next question actually was to you, Chloe, like how did you manage your excitement and also the other reverse end of it of pure disappointment for Judith that she, one that she hadn't heard and it was such a happy occasion, but tinged potentially with with disappointment. And then Judith, talk to me about the actual race itself and, and wearing the tri-suit and being on the start line and then that finish line and just knowing that you had just given it everything. Oh, it was class. Like the ones that were there are are girls that we've raced in, you know, in other countries in the lead up to it. So we'd we'd met most of them before. So that was like really cool. You were able to be like, oh hey, how's it going? Good luck, have a good race. Um so that was really good. And then like obviously like walking out like onto the start line and seeing the grandstand full of people. Um, and mum had texted me before because mum and dad and two of our friends were over to watch and mum was like we're over at the far side and we have a bright red umbrella or something like that <laughs> and I was sort of walking out going I don't see an umbrella here but it's okay I know they're sort of in that general direction but just the sound like I think that's always something that we go back to about the whole race was just the support around it and like the crowds who were screaming and cheering and the odd time you would have been going around on the bike and you would have heard a Northern Irish accent and you were like, yes, they're for me. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was unreal. Um, I wasn't as I thought I would go out and be like really, really nervous in the start line. But I think it was just sheer excitement for me um, for like the first time ever at a race. <laughs> but um, no, it was really, really good. And as I said, the, the crowds were amazing. Um, and then the run the run course was two laps and there was a big there's quite a big hill in it and where we live here at home it's quite hilly so hills were fine I was like yes hills that's fine we'll go up and then we get to come back down that's a nice recovery uh but yeah like I feel like everyone else sort of talked about struggling on that hill but I was sort of like oh it's fine um and then coming back around towards the finish line I heard the commentator um like over the speakers and I'll say like Chloe McComb and Catherine Sands are second or silver medalists or something. And I turned to Anne, I was like, Chloe and Catherine are second. And then I was like, how do you know that? I was like, he just said. <laughs> so that was our chat coming up to the finish line. I was like, your, your man just said on the thing that they're second. <laughs> and did you know that you were sitting in fourth place? Didn't have a clue. I had no idea. Um, we hadn't seen anyone. We knew that we had come out of the water just in front of the South Africans. And sort of knowing that my swim is my weakest, I'm sort of always like, I'm going to be at the back. The bike is where I need to make, like, that's where I really, really need to start making the push. So we'd come out with the South Africans. We passed the Australians. I didn't know that Alison Peasgood had crashed. Uh, so I didn't know that she was still out. So that's why I was so shocked that Chloe was second, because I knew that Alison and Katie were two big competitors. Like, they were the two big ones. So I was so shocked. I was like, who did she beat? Who came third? What's going on? <laughs> but I had no idea where we were. I was sort of like maybe fifth was where I was expecting. So fourth was was a nice surprise. And then Chloe, your race, finishing second, bringing home a silver medal. You were the first ever Irish triathlete to win a championship medal at the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, um, like that was, it was unreal. Um, we sort of, Catherine knew that Alison had crashed. Um, I. I I wasn't 100% sure and sort of after the race Catherine was like I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to scare you um but I sort of knew something was wrong on the bike because it was a particular corner that we had been warned about in the race briefing that it would be snippy and I think it was the second lap Catherine sort of shouted back to me and she was like Chloe trust me I'm going to keep you safe you're going to be fine I'm going to keep you safe and I was like someone's come off here and Catherine's just trying to reassure me. And like, I had no reservations about trusting her, like a hundred percent, like Catherine knew what she was doing. Um, so, but I just remember her saying that and being like, who's come off and just not knowing and sort of in the back of my mind, sort of being like, was it Judith and Anne? And I was like, no, Catherine would definitely tell me if it was Judith or Anne 
or like Oliver and Kyle, but they they came off and we hadn't seen them come off and get back on again. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until we were on the run where, um, yeah, Catherine looked at the board or whatever and sort of like, right, okay, we're we're sitting in third. Chloe, we're sitting in third. And Catherine's boyfriend sort of gave us an update of like, you know, this is how far away you are off second. And we were like, right, right, we're pushing for second then. Um, and sort of coming up the hill um, around the back of the course and Catherine being like, I can see the Canadians. And I was like, well, I don't, so let's not get excited yet. Um, <laughs> and as we sort of like got sort of halfway up the hill, the Canadians were walking. Um, they really hit a wall. They just weren't used to the hills. Um, and I was like, I see them. Catherine, I see them. We're, we're going for it. Um, and we took them and it was just, it was just surreal. And um, mum and dad were telling us after the race, they were like, the commentators didn't have a clue what was happening. <laughs> they didn't know what place you were. So we were coming onto the blue carpet, just knowing that we were second, but sort of hearing the commentators sort of as we rounded the final corner onto like the final stretch, hearing the commentators actually realise that we were second was hilarious. Because they were like, and here's Chloe McComb and Catherine Sutton. And they're second! They're second place for Northern Ireland. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, all right, okay. I love it. Um, yeah, and then sort of crossing the line. And I think me and Catherine both sort of had an argument with um, some of the stewards who were trying to move us on, which, fair enough, they were trying to keep the finish line clear. And we were like, no, nah, I'm waiting for my twin sister here. I'm not moving until she crossed the line. <laughs> and then sort of like, twin sister? And they was like, yeah, twin sister. She's out there. And they were like, okay, just this once, but you have to stand over here, but you can't stay here. And everybody else being like, ushered away. It's just like, you can stay here until Joseph crosses the line. So what were the celebrations like in Birmingham afterwards when you'd both finished? Um, I don't really, like, I don't remember. Yeah, like it was, it was good. It was sort of, it was just a good couple of hours just spend with like our mum and dad and then our two friends. Like we didn't really do anything really crazy. drastic. Um, but yeah, it was just lovely just to sort of soak up the atmosphere and just, yeah, just just be there and like sort of finally enjoy the moment kind of thing. Because sort of in the lead up, you were trying to enjoy the moment, but you always had in the back of your head, like, I have to do a race. Whereas after the race, you were properly able to relax and sort of enjoy the experience. So we watched the the mixed relay that was on sort of just after our race finished. So it was it was really good just to enjoy the experience of being a spectator. Um, rather than being a competitor and would you say that the Commonwealth Games has been the highlight of your career to date for both of you or have you different highlights um yeah I'd say the Commonwealth Games is definitely a highlight um I really enjoyed Abu Dhabi it was it was a great race and for me I enjoyed Abu Dhabi because it was full of PBs for me um it was just such a smooth slick race like me and Catherine really felt like like we've we, we came away from that race sort of feeling like we nailed that. Um, you know, everything just worked together really well. Um, so Abu Dhabi was a real highlight, but I mean, the Commonwealth Games, you can't you can't really compare it to any other sort of normal race, um, you know, aside from the Paralympics. But yeah, it was it was fantastic. And um, I mean, to be able to race beside Judith is always is always fun. <laughs> and then Judith, for you, would the Com Games be the highlight or is there another race that might stand out for you? Uh, yeah, I would say that that's the highlight. Like for me, coming forth, I was just like, oh, I just missed out in the podium. Like it was like there is it is tinged with that little bit of frustration. Like, oh, what if I had pushed a bit harder, or what if I had done this differently? Um, but I think no matter where I come, I'll always like I'll always go away and I'll be happy. And then you know afterwards, you start to think like, oh, but what if? Or you know, next time I'll do this. But I would definitely say that it was a highlight, like even just for that experience of the crowds and having that, just that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you say that like for me, coming second was brilliant. But at the same time, again, it was sort of tinged with a little bit of, oh, but she just came fourth. She was so close to podium. Oh, and like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was sort of it was tinged with a bit of disappointment just on Judith's behalf, and I was sort of like, well, I don't really want to shout about it too much because I'm aware how close Judith was to a podium, and that's so um, frustrating for me because I'm like, you keep second, show people your medal, like <laughs> <laughs> girls, you have great lines of communications with your guides. You need to have great lines of communication with each other. 
<laughs> I guess you can't read each other's minds. Twins and all, but you can't read yeah. each other's minds. Yeah. Now, I am conscious of the time and we've covered so much, which has been absolutely brilliant. But I just have, have one or two more questions for you. And um, Judith, I'm going to come to you first with this. Who has been the, the biggest inspiration in your life to date or the biggest influence in your life to date? And it, it maybe your sister, mm. maybe your mom or dad, or it might be somebody else, it might be a teacher, but just somebody who has maybe just inspired you to be the best that you can be, whether that's through your education or working or through sport. And Chloe, you're going to get the same question, but you get a couple of minutes more to think about it. <laughs> um, oh, that's actually a really hard question. For me, I'm like constantly just trying to beat Chloe. No. <laughs> but like in, in triathlon, like I feel like Chloe is my biggest competitor. And there are things that I see her and Catherine do that I'm like, right, we need to get on that. Like we, we need to do that. So I suppose you could say that, that Chloe is, cover your ears, right? <laughs> you could say that Chloe is um, my inspiration for sport. Um, my senseis in karate are also like so inspiring just their their drive to improve you know like I, I think that's why I love karate as as well as triathlon it's just that it's this constant you're striving for improvement you're always wanting to get better you're always focused on the next step that you can take so to me um sense of Dermot is is a real inspiration to me and just his passion that he has for what he does like I really hope that that comes across whenever I talk about triathlon just having that excitement and yeah just wanting to improve but also wanting to to bring other people into that and sort of you know welcome them to the sport and show them the ropes and and see them get excited about it as well so yeah brilliant a lovely answer Okay, Chloe, you've had an extra three minutes to answer that question. I know, I hope your answer is good. <laughs> um, well, I was actually going to say the same, but I do have like an extra bit just rather than just copying and pasting the same answer. Um, but like Judith, like just sort of always wanting to improve. She's definitely an inspiration. Um, and then Karate, um, Dermot, um, would definitely be an inspiration just because he wants everybody involved as well. Um, and that's sort of what we want to sort of show as we do triathlon is to show that everybody can do it and that the only real limiting factor is yourself. Um, and I love that that's what that's what Dermot does. And, you know, he's the one who came to us with sort of this idea for inclusive karate and doing blindfolded stuff. And he was like, Look, we can try it. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. But like, I want you to be to be involved and I want you to try this just to so that you can have like the full experience of competing like at a, at a sort of national level like I want you to be part of this and just his passion for that was unreal and then there's some teachers at school or our geography teachers at school um would still talk to us and um, would still email us and I mean no matter what venture we plan to do outside of school whether it be sort of I tried to get into teaching but that sort of didn't happen um, whatever it was they were behind us and they were constantly email being like saw you in the newspaper or I saw you on the tv and just very much behind us and um, there was a teacher that did sort of Duke of Eds sort of hiking and stuff with us and he sort of from the very start sort of cottoned on to our competitiveness and to our drive because um, as we said we were very quiet at school um, but this teacher that was in charge of taking us out on hikes sort of saw something in us that was just like nah they're louder and they're they're bolder than what they're making out to be and he picked up on that and he really I suppose encouraged that um I always felt like Mr Bogle he would have always sort of tried to encourage us and sort of tried to know more about our eyesight and I really appreciate people who do that people who aren't afraid to sort of ask questions about our eyesight yeah. especially the awkward questions of can you actually see that or you know like what about that over there can you see that like we absolutely love that <laughs> But like he really sort of took a took a real sort of interest in what we could and couldn't see and sort of was like, well, how can I change this for you? And sort of, I suppose it's just their influence on us and sort of us then going forward and sort of being like, well, how can we show people with visual impairments what they can do rather than people constantly saying you can't do this? Because, I mean, we were told that enough times at school, oh, you can't do that, you can't do that. And we were kind of like it just took sort of one teacher or one person to sort of be like well why not try it um and that's sort of what we want to do and it's thanks to them that we're sort of 
doing it. <laughs> and, and so that answer actually brings me beautifully into my final questions for you, which to both of you are, number one, are you proud of all that you've achieved in your life to date? And the other question is, if you could go back in time to that time when you were really quiet in school and maybe not as openly boisterous or confident, maybe, um, what advice would you give yourself back that 10 year old kid sitting in the classroom, maybe afraid to speak up because they were slightly different than the other kids that were in the classroom? Oh, <laughs> this was the first part of that question. Are you proud of everything that you've done to do it? Yes. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. I feel like you're the interviewer now, you know. <laughs> you did a great job as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I am too. And I'm so glad that I'm able to share it with my best friend. Um, That's me, by the way. <laughs> Just in case anybody thought any, any different. Yeah. It's the way you do with your best friends. Um, but yeah, and even just like, like, I always look back and I, I love the support and encouragement that I've got from my friends and my family. Like, I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, I'm, I'm so pleased that there's so many people that have been able to share in these experiences with me, with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm proud. And as long as they're proud of me, I'm proud. <laughs> yeah. And then sort of same. And then sort of going back to what would you tell your 10 year old self is probably just, I guess, embrace it. Because I feel like for a few years, I tried to hide from my, like, I think we both sort of did. And that's why we were so quiet. We just tried to pretend that it didn't exist. Whereas I feel like now we've accepted that this is the way we are. And the world just has to deal with that. Um, You know, we can't, we can't change anything. Yes. Okay. Right. There's still times where someone will be like, can you see that? We'll be like, mm-hmm. And in our heads, we're like, absolutely not. Not a clue what that's doing, but they're definitely looking to the left. So I will look to the left too. Um, <laughs> um, give us an Oscar. We're great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I feel like just just accept who you are. And yeah, like you're here and you're here for a purpose. This was yeah. what I would say. I suppose even just like that, like a word of encouragement, like don't let anyone ever tell you you can't do it. Yeah. Apart from the police. Like... <laughs> Police of the guards. Yeah. Them. Them. <laughs> they they can, say you can do something. You cannot. <laughs> but yeah, like just like and I would say that to anyone who has a visual impairment or any kind of disability. Like, don't let anyone say you can't do that or you can't do it, like, or you won't be able to do that, I suppose would be a better way of putting it. Like, try it. And if you can't do it, see if there's a way that makes it possible. And if that doesn't work, then at least you can say, Oh well, you know, I tried. I tried. Um, but yeah, I would just say try everything and, you know, let everyone else stay with you being different. Like, you don't have to hide that. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Judith and Chloe, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I can't wait to see uh, what adventures and what mischief you get up to across the season for 2023. And I can't wait to see you on the start line at the Paris Paralympics in 2024. The very best of luck to you. And uh, I can't wait to see you on a finish line, maybe at some point in Ireland over the next couple of months as well. And thanks again to you both. Thank you. thank you for having us. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. If you would like to hear more great episodes of the podcast, be sure to check them out on our website, www.trytalkingsport.com or wherever you get your podcasts. With almost 100 episodes of the show now available, there's a huge catalogue of inspiration and motivation to choose from. You can follow all of our activities and podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, please pop me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, keep smiling and remember, as always, to look for fun and adventure in every day. Bye.